Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast. Living large in New York. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our producer today, William Jeffries. And the intern, Sophie Kreutz. And today, we're talking about the Aristotle Project, specifically the structure and clarity portion. Now, I believe this is the third part of the Aristotle Project, the list of five things. We went over psychological safety, dependability, and now we're doing the structure and clarity. Does everyone here have structure and clarity in, in today and in the podcast episode we're recording? I'd uh, love to know before we continue moving on. Crystal. Crystal. Crystal, yeah. crystal clear. Solid. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> awesome. I'm going to start with the definition as mentioned in Google really quick in the document that we've been reading over the rework. I think it's read colon work. I'm not sure there's a specific name for this particular document, but it reads the following. An individual understanding of job expectation, the process for fulfilling these expectations, and the consequences of one's performance are important for team effectiveness. Any thoughts on that? Wow. Yeah. Can we break that down a little bit? Because we've got understanding of job expectations. So yeah, what am I expected to do in my job? What things do I need to prioritize and not prioritize? And then for the process for fulfilling these expectations, I take that to mean how do I make sure I'm actually doing my job and meeting those expectations? So Presumably, this means that there is actually a process in place, that maybe there's some kind of rubric so that you know that you're meeting the expectations. What do mm-hmm. you think, Bobby? Yeah, imagine, because then, like, how do you know whether you're doing the job correctly or not, right? And then first off, you have to know the job that you have. I think uh, we mentioned off air that our job is to punch keys, <laughs> <laughs> right? I think it's more than that. <laughs> if you boil it but down. If you boil it down, like, yeah, yes, monkey punch key, ah, pow, pow, right? Yeah, like, if, you, yes. if you put those developers in the soup and you just put it on simmer, ultimately what you're going to get is key punching. It's key yeah. punching, exactly. <laughs> There's a book called The One Minute Manager, and in it they talk about the this notion that a job should be explainable in one minute or less. The job description should be like one paragraph and you're actually the employee should be able to explain back to you what their job description is in a minute or less. And that's how you know Mm. that everybody's on the same page and that we have the structure and clarity that we need. This Mm. is an interesting point though, because I would wonder then what is the minimum amount of time that you should take to describe your job, right? If a minute is the maximum, what's the minimum? Because if you just said, oh, you know, I'm a code monkey, or if you were a teacher and you just said, I say things to children, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> I speak to children all the time. I yell at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. It wouldn't be quite descriptive enough. Mm. So, yeah. How can we make that clearer, perhaps? I think the one minute mark that William mentioned, I would say... I mean, I don't know. I don't think I read the book. Maybe I should go and pick that up. But I would say it has to be close to a minute. So, like, it can't be just one sentence either. Yeah. But it should be closer to a minute, right? Like, a teacher, for example, would be, I instruct children on, you know, a particular given topic. The goal of that is to ensure they're able to internalize and understand the thing that I'm trying to 
teach. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Very nice. I think as a heuristic, you probably want the employee to feel comfortable that they understand what it is they're supposed to be doing on a daily basis without having to constantly check in for guidance. And you want the manager to have confidence that the employee is actually going to be working on the stuff that they need to be working on, that they have mm -hmm. enough direction to actually be productive in mm -hmm. moving toward the objectives that the company has set out. Mm, I see. Yeah, and so what yeah. makes that challenging is one minute requires a fairly high degree of focus because it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you're a multi-talented individual. Why don't we have you help with recruiting and also interviewing and also architecting a system and also fixing the test suite and also doing some performance testing and also and mm -hmm. also and also. <laughs> it sounds like the startup <laughs> life developer, though. I was just going to say, couldn't you argue that in a startup, you have no option but to wear that many hats? I think so. But then you you probably need that to be clear for the employee when you go to hire them. The job description should probably make it clear. You know, when we say code monkey punching keys, my hands are mm -hmm. typing words, we don't actually mean that the only thing that you're going to be doing is writing code. This is a startup right. and you're going to have a million hats. And we don't even know the, the work that you'll be doing yet because it hasn't been defined. So yeah, maybe right. you'll be interviewing or maybe you'll be doing performance testing or maybe you'll be trying to fix production. And that's part of the job description and something that might be exciting to you if you like working at startups or might be terrifying if you hate that. Yeah. I am wondering too about the last part of this definition here, where it says the consequences of one's performance are important for team effectiveness. So on some level, it seems like, yes, perhaps it's obvious that your performance, if it's good, it's going to be good for the team. And if it's bad, it's going to be bad for the team. But do you think there's more there? I didn't take that as it being more, it's just like oh, there are goals and there are anti-goals. And like once you kind of identify what the anti-goals are and you're aware of them, then you know what it takes to be effective within your team. Not that like, oh, hey, if you don't do a good job, then you, you lose out on a bonus. But it's more mm -hmm. like, hey, your job isn't to do these things because if we were to do that, then we get this. Like it's not like mm -hmm. decentivizing someone by telling them what the consequences are, just knowing that they exist. That's why when understanding your job description is important for us to move forward as a team. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think you used the word anti-goals there. Mm -hmm. So what's a good example of an anti-goal? Don't bring Octopi into your meetings? That, that is one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of one really quick what comes to mind. If an anti, say if uh, the job description requires us to be consultants and at clients, an anti goal would be maybe try not to be too prescriptive and demanding on processes mm. that you want to see change because mm -hmm. the team may not like gel well with that and could cause disruption and rift is what comes to mind. I don't know if anyone has any better ones. Love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense as an anti-pattern, you know, make sure that because the anti-pattern would be communicating in a way with the client that makes it harder for everyone to work together, it seems like. Right. There's a section here that talks about in the structure and clarity bullet. 
about Google using OKRs to help set and communicate short-term and long-term goals. And I kind of want to dive into that. First off, what's an OKR? Well, first let's say what it's not. So perhaps it's obvious keyword (laughs) ramifications. There you go. So it's definitely not that for sure. Opportunistic. <laughs> uh, the the K is challenging. Yeah. Crinkly. Um, no, yeah. it's a C. <laughs> yeah. So it stands for objectives and key results. I personally am not too familiar with OKR. I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to set them on my team in this fashion of OKR. I know it's like some goal setting that we would do, but... I know there's a process that I'm kind of unfamiliar with. Well, you mentioned before in time that you may have done a thing or two of those in the past. Yeah, I've I've done OKRs before on several projects. Was that organization-based or was that team-based? Organization-based. Mm-hmm. So you had like a C-suite usually coming up with the objectives for the organization, which were more constant and needed to tie into the mission for the organization in some way. And then the key results were the thing that you mostly were negotiating over and leadership from different teams would be in charge of picking what those would be. And then the team would be accountable for for delivering those key results. So as an example, achieve fiscal responsibility. That could be an objective. So you could have some key results around that like we need to reduce the general fund budget variance from 11% to 5%, or we need to spend 95% of authorized capital project dollars by the end of the fiscal year, etc. So these are some specific things that a team could do in order to achieve fiscal responsibility, which is the overall objective that leadership has decided on. And what's nice about that is that you have leadership guiding all of the teams in a single direction using the objectives, but then the teams get to still be able to negotiate exactly how they deliver on that. And and there's a fair amount of leeway for individuals to choose how to hit the goal. So for example, if you're going to reduce the general fund budget variance from 11 to 5%, there's a million ways to skin that cat, right? So you as an individual can look at what is in the general fund budget and decide where that reduction in variance is going to come from without having to consult anybody in leadership. I'm curious, though, if just to play devil's advocate here, like what if there's a disconnect, right? So you have these objectives coming from leadership, but what if they've not quite considered enough all of the day-to-day tasks that the team members have and their priorities and their job responsibilities so that when it does finally trickle down to that level, you might find that, it's very difficult to find ways to meet this objective as a result. Yeah, I think one thing people talk about is the concept of rocks. If you have a quarter, there's a lot of stuff that can fill your time. A lot of little things in particular, the stuff that's urgent but not important, the phone call that you need to return or the email that you just got that can be a distraction from the That Slack message, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. what they say is the really important stuff should be like rocks. Huh. Those go in first. And then everything else is sand. It can fill in the space around the rocks. But if you if wow. you put the sand in first, then you'll never fit the rocks in because the sand huh. will take up all of your time and energy. 
So mm. when you're working with OKRs, you have to acknowledge that most of the stuff that teams are actually doing is probably not going to be super directly related to the OKRs because mm-hmm. there's day-to-day work. Accounting needs to do the books. <laughs> right. There's yeah. like yeah. You know, engineering <laughs> needs to fix the bugs and product needs to, you know, design the interface, whatever. Everybody's Absolutely. got lots of day-to-day work. Yeah. So then in this metaphor, is the day-to-day work the sand or the rocks? The day-to-day work that is unrelated to the OKRs would be the sand. So there's an outage. Whatever you're working on relating to OKRs stops. You need to go fix the outage, right? But the OKRs are primary. That's the thing that you're working on by default. And I guess ultimately, if you're solving the outage, like that's related to the OKRs too, perhaps, because an OKR might be something along the lines of, okay, let's say it's accelerate product revenue growth. Well, certainly there's not going to be any acceleration happening if everything's down in the first place. That's true. Yeah. And I imagine these OKRs in Google Sense is that, you know, you would have team or personal OKRs for yourself as opposed to that being instructed by the organization. And I imagine OKRs are written differently than that of like smart goals, for example, just in the way that you write them. You know, you write the very big rock like sentence. And then you fill it in with the sand as well you mentioned before. I definitely would think that that'll add some structure to an individual on the team. And then which means that it'll add structure to the team itself. When everyone's clear on the goals at hand and their roles and responsibility. And they're able to exceed expectations in the work that is asked of them on the team. For sure. I wonder, though, when you get down to the team level OKRs or individual OKRs, if this is the place where bike shedding might rear its ugly head. Mm, Yes. What's bike shedding? Well, okay. So bike shedding. If you've ever thought about building a bike shed, right? Mm -hmm. This is not probably the most complicated thing you've ever tried to build, especially if in comparison to building a bike shed, say you're building a power plant, right? So mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to approve the power plant right away. Yes, we're going to build the power plant and then we're going to go from there. But with the bike shed, since mm-hmm. there's, everyone can have an opinion, right, about the bike right. shed. So for instance, Bobby, what do you think we should choose for the color of the paint? Oh, definitely orange. Orange is my favorite color and everyone should see my favorite color on this bike shed, <laughs> for sure. Well, I I have a different opinion. I I think maybe it should actually be blue because blue is a beautiful, calming color. Right. And you want people to be calm when they go to the bike shed. That's (laughs) that's the idea. Yeah. And also, how many bikes do you think we need to be able to fit in the bike shed? And what sort of support beams should be in the bike shed? And what shape should it be? Should it be a hexagon? Should it be a square? Should it be a rectangle? Personally, I think maybe a hexagonal bike shed would <laughs> <laughs> would fit more bikes. I guess there'd I be enough space in there. It would right because you can yeah. like kind of align bikes along each side there. Each side, yeah, until it gets to the middle. Right, it might be hard to get the bikes in and out, but but yes, I I take your point. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of bike shedding is yeah, going on finding the nuances or the small things to nitpick at versus solid or more direct goals that you may have and you definitely want to avoid 
bike shedding in terms of goal setting, I imagine. I understand that there is a lot of people who may have different set of goals and those goals should be pertained to you as the person who are planning to achieve those goals. Yeah. And I mean, not only definitely like think about how does this goal pertain to me, but think about it in context as well, which is kind of hard to do. And I think maybe that is where the bike shedding could occur. And it's really quite an interesting phenomenon, I think. I'm sure you've witnessed this, right? It's as soon as you're discussing something where everyone is capable of having a strong opinion, all of a sudden it becomes so difficult to reach an agreement. Right. Especially with more people in the room. I think, yeah, and definitely when... If you're going to do the team-based OKR, that is definitely be mindful of, you know, other people's opinions and how you incorporate them into something that does not go down this rabbit hole of bike shedding and ensuring that yeah. you, know, you have all these opinions out. But um, definitely less likely to happen if you were going to do personal OKRs, right? Because it's either the opinions that you have and goals you want to set or the direct or your manager who's who identifies these are some goals that one may have, right? Like that's much easier to, less likely to bike shed, if you will. Yeah. So I guess maybe what would be an objective that would prevent us from bike shedding about the color of the bike shed? Maybe it's create a bike shed that houses X number of bicycles. Mm -hmm. And then the color of the bike shed becomes much less relevant than the shape or the size or the capacity or something right. like that. This is just an example, though. Right. But I think it's it's interesting to think about this color theory because mm -hmm. color is something in this metaphor that everyone is qualified to have an opinion about. Right. If I had to think of a programmer's perspective, like, oh, you need to be able to type 45 words a minute. There you go. Like, as a goal. Right. Yeah. Like, where did that number come from? is the question at hand and people are like no you need to know how to type 60 or I 85 mean, i do think and 60 is the minimum but i don't want to be prescriptive <laughs> <laughs> exactly but that's the thing though right like does typing at a certain speed truly make you a software engineer Ooh, or a consultant a question, that's the Bobby. that's a quick that i mean people people's got opinions i'm not trying to be spicy i'm just trying to be <laughs> <laughs> Try to bring some examples here. Uh, but if that's a team goal, I would revisit that. Like, hey, everyone on this team needs to type 65 words a minute or you're out, right? Like, let's not do that for sure. I'm sure there are other things that we can do as a team to increase, I mean, to have this goal setting for our OKRs. The other thing that's mentioned is you should be missing some of your OKRs. I read this and I get like a little like off because it's mm -hmm. like oh i want to be able to write goals that, that i, can I meet. know that i know that i can meet or like make them challenging yeah. that but still be possible to attempt them because if you're missing some of your okrs or you're not aggressive enough you make new ones each quarter right it's the north star that's guiding you yeah. personally or your team not an achieve or you're fired kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a directionality kind of thing. This is the direction that you want to go. Although I could see how potentially that could be a little dangerous because then people might start to think, oh, okay, well, I'm not really supposed to achieve all of these. So like, am I really supposed to achieve any of them? You know, like how am I supposed to set my expectations clearly? Right. I guess it's the 
objective is the it as mentioned in that passage that it is the north star that's guiding you so you tend to probably continue to use that north star as you start getting your key results in under your objective but i i agree it's like i would potentially i personally like smart goals where it's like you know you have them short measurable and you can say you're going to do this in this time and there's a plan for you to attack that particular goal and then you go on and do it and okrs is kind of unfamiliar with maybe i have to give it a try and uh, i'll probably have to write my own personal okrs that's what's gonna happen i'm just gonna have to do that gonna write some personal okrs yeah see how that works out for me i'll add some structure and clarity even more structure even more clarity to the job that i do now (laughs) sounds great follow us now on twitter at radio free rabbit so we can keep the conversation going like what you hear Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.